0: Welcome, Hoosier fans, to this week's edition of Assembly Call Radio, where each week we discuss the most interesting topics in the world of Indiana basketball. This is our 162nd edition of Assembly Call Radio, and it is our 604th episode overall of the Assembly Call, recorded on the evening of Thursday, March 26th, 2020. I am your host, Jared Morris. And let's begin this edition of the Assembly Call how we begin every edition of the Assembly Call, and that is with our Hoosier Proud banner moment.
1: And Indiana is the national champion. When it comes down, Indiana will be champion. Martin takes the, shot. the
0: The impact of the 2020 NCAA tournament being canceled is far reaching. We will forever have a gap in the record books and frustrating unanswered questions about how this season would have played out will linger for as long as college basketball is played. In other words, we won't be done looking back on this season anytime soon. But this week, with no new games to focus on, college basketball analysts across the country began the process of looking forward to next season. And while it is far too early to put much stock into these projections, since so many roster changes will occur between now and the opening tip of the 2020-2021 season, The general placement of your Indiana Hoosiers in these projections does offer a semi-useful suggestion for what national expectations are likely to be heading into next season. And the overall outlook is solid, more or less. Bart Torvik's 2021 projections are up and his algorithm, which consistently rated the Hoosiers lower than Ken Palm last season, has Indiana at number 21. And it should be noted that Bart's algorithm does not include projections for Christian Lander and doesn't seem to expect much, if anything, from Trey Galloway. That was the highest I saw Indiana rated, 21st in Bart Torvik. A few other publications had Indiana in one of the final few spots in their top 25, or the Hoosiers were in the other team's considered category. And that seems to be the general consensus. At this early point in the offseason, Indiana is almost universally projected to be one of the top 30 teams in the country next season. If we assume that Christian Lander is able to reclassify and that the Hoosiers don't lose anyone projected to be in the rotation, especially Trace Jackson Davis, I imagine that's what the official preseason projections will look like come September and October. What does it mean? Well, if we agree that a fair minimum bar for success for next season is to be comfortably off the bubble come March and finish in at least the top half of the Big Ten, since that would represent another small but meaningful step forward under Archie Miller, these projections suggest that Indiana will, once again, basically just clear that bar. And while I don't think anyone would be ecstatic with those results... Just getting used to being consistently satisfied would be a welcome change for IU fans and a continuation of Indiana's slow but steady progress back up the ladder of college basketball. All right, now let me introduce my esteemed co-host for this week's show. Andy Bottoms is off tonight, but tomorrow night he will be hosting our live rewatch of the Indiana-Louisville game from 1993 from the Sweet 16 of that tournament. Galen Clavio and Chris Williams from IU Artifacts will be joining him. I will not be there but here is my nomination for the banner moment. What
1: a block oh, by Cheney and a little whooping taking place. They certainly are not discussing the state of the stock market. That is an embarrassing play when you go for the slam and a guy takes away your manhood, if you will.
0: Embarrassing indeed. One of my absolute favorite Calvert Chaney moments. Did not back down at all. That is obviously one of those moments in in that game, but a really, really good game. A great performance. One of Calvert's best performances. So for that reason and many more, you should watch it. And you can get the details for our live rewatch series, plus the YouTube links to watch the games at assemblycall.com slash rewatch. Uh, Tomorrow, That's Friday. Uh, The live rewatch begins at 8 o'clock Eastern with the postgame show immediately afterwards. All right. Now, here with me tonight, to my left.
2: He remembers the days when a movie cost a dollar. Heaven help you if you ever decide to pop your collar. Play hard, but remember, fake hustle is a crime. He's the coach and it's Tonsoni time.
3: I don't like
0: carrots. Coach, it's Tonsoni time. What's on your mind?
3: Well, first of all, I'd like to thank you, Jared, for outstanding leadership that you've shown during this change in, uh, in programming. I would rate you a 10 out of 10 uh, on your, your leadership. So uh, I've learned a lot by watching television to make sure we praise our leaders. And uh, you are doing a great job. Seriously, I haven't had a carrot uh, in 13, 14 days <laughs> or whatever since that show. So I want to make sure chat mobs know that uh, I am restraining from carrots. Uh, Stick, to your, guns, Stick to your Absolutely. guns, coach. Stick to your guns. Sorry, carrots. Healthy food. But uh, as far as Indiana basketball goes, uh, I want to make sure that uh, we we do a, a good discussion with Devontae Green and and Duron Davis. Uh, anyone who puts four years into Indiana uh, should get some recognition regardless of – how they played or, or what they contributed. I want to make sure I'm staying positive on that. I'm also looking forward to next year's roster, and especially if um, we get the reclassified uh, news that we're looking for. So, uh, But I am also tr- want to be a little more cautious this offseason in my discussions here and elsewhere. Um, and because I thought last year I evaluated the Hoosiers on where they could be and their highest level instead of maybe, uh, where honestly they, they could be. And we do have some young players coming in and they will play young, uh, still. And, and so, uh, I've been kind of giving myself a pep talk and how I'm going to talk about Indiana basketball. I am excited. I think the tournament, um, was made this year as a 10th seed and, uh, you're exactly right. Uh, you know, you need to be a top 25 team, get that 6-7 seed at the least next year moving forward. Be in the top four or five uh, in the Big Ten would be a, a nice place to go and then start being consistently. Uh, and I think we're headed in that, that way. Uh, but I want to make sure that uh, I'm a little more grounded this offseason than I was uh, last off season because we obviously did not get – uh, what we needed from a lot of players as far as um, their position on the basketball team. So cautiously optimistic and just thankful again for everyone here, uh, everyone in the chat mob, for home field apparel uh, at a time with no sports. It's it's really tough. you got to have really good friends and, and good people around you, and, and I consider th- this whole thing one of the best things going uh, in, in Indiana uh, right now. So thank you, everyone. Absolutely.
0: All right, and to my right – players finding every wrinkle he hasn't ever hosted never lifted a finger he's got
2: all the well, let me quickly add just one thing about this dude just interrupted his own jingle rain, 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 rain,
0: what's next locusts ryan what do you have to rant about tonight
2: no locusts this week um you know i'm gonna go back to what you were talking about jared about next year and, and about the projections and honestly if you're Looking at what Indiana brings back and and what they lose, I mean, you lose two guys in in Devonte Green and Daron Davis. Devonte Green clearly won this team a few games this year with his offense, you know, put them over the top in some games where they played well. Uh, Duron Davis had some really good moments, but you know, Devonte Green also hurt the team in other games. So I feel like that kind of balances out what you're losing there. And and Daron Davis, you know, for a lot of the season wasn't effective uh, because obviously. Injuries and things he'd run into and and his his inability to stay in shape and all that physically. Um, So when you look at what's coming back, there's a lot to be excited about. And when you look at a top 25 projection, you look at that and you say, well, that makes sense. Uh, Last year, this team made a step forward, you know, or this past season made a step forward. It wasn't the step forward we were hoping for, but you also saw guys like Jerome Hunter and race Thompson, as you ended the year, starting to become more confident and become bigger parts of the rotation. If you project those guys to continue to improve and then you bring back, you know, an Al Durham who was playing well at the end of the year. You project. I know this didn't happen. We all really expected a big jump from Rob finnissy this year. It didn't happen. Health had something to do with that. But let's say you project a decent jump from Rob Finney. You basically have the team already, and you move them, you know, forward a little bit. Add the new pieces, especially if Christian Lander comes early, which we're all assuming is going to happen. That's there should be a team in the top twenty-five. And you look at this past season, and there was a long stretch of, of this season where Indiana was sitting outside the top 25, but in that 26 to 40 range of, you know, others receiving votes or maybe just outside that. And so you, you take there where they were this year, they don't really lose any huge pieces. You lose Devonte green again, who won you some games, but also struggled in others. So you pretty much losing a neutral player there and then project these guys forward and add the pieces that are coming in. You have to feel good about where Indiana is. And, and I think that's just the, the, what I've gotten from all those projections is, Everybody's expecting growth from this team. They're not losing a whole lot. You know, Michigan State's losing the guy who's been their leader for 3 plus years. You know, other teams are losing major major pieces. Indiana's really not losing a star, plus you're bringing back a guy who's going to be in contention in my opinion for Big 10 player of the year and in, in Trace Jackson Davis, or he's at least going to be in the conversation to open the season. So, I think you got to feel good about where Indiana's at coming back, especially if you bring in Lander we all seem to like Anthony Leo. We all seem to like Trey Galloway. We all seem to like Jordan Geronimo. Those are guys who can all just add to the mix and make this better, make it a more dynamic, more athletic team that does, you know, those, those guys coming in do a lot of the right things and are, are smart basketball players who play hard. It's kind of what was missing this year at times was that all-out effort, and those guys all certainly bring it. So it, it, you feel good looking forward. It's sad that we have to look forward now because we were expecting to still have the tournament going on and, and a lot of other things, and hopefully maybe in the, be in the second weekend of the tournament. But, you know, this is uh, this is something I think that we can be positive about, about and look forward to. Is that this team looks like it's going to improve next year.
0: All right, here's what we will talk about this week. We're going to go through some Hoosier headlines here in segment one, and then we're going to talk about three lingering questions about Devontae Green, and then we will hop into the mediocre mailbag and answer the questions that you all sent in. That is coming this week on Assembly Call Radio. Before we get to all that, just a few quick announcements. A reminder, again, uh, assemblycall.com slash rewatch is the URL to go to for the schedule for the live rewatch series. We've done the first two. You can check out the replays for those. And then we have six more coming up. Uh, This weekend, we're doing IU Louisville uh, on Friday. And then on Sunday, we'll be doing the IU Kent State game from 2002. And, of course, remember to support our friends at home field Coach, I think I saw a tweet from you that you bought four shirts earlier today. I just saw Richie in the chat said he bought three shirts. Uh, are you wearing what, – what shirt are you wearing right now?
3: The uh, state of Indiana with the eye, block
0: eye. Oh, very nice. Okay, so look, they have tons of stuff at Home Field Apparel – Uh, And, you know, they have a lot more than just Indiana stuff too. So you might go there, maybe, you know, your wife or your cousin or another family member or a friend went to a different school. You might be able to find a gift for them there. Uh, Go support our friends at Home Field Apparel. Uh, They're doing everything to, you know, keep their business running and support their employees as obviously we all go through a tough time. So support them or support some small business. Uh, And then if you want to support a local food bank, foodpantries.org and feedingamerica.org are two great websites to find local food banks in your area. You know, Remember that a lot of kids who are out of school, they rely on school for maybe a couple meals a day. And so food banks really pick up a lot of the extra slack uh, when schools are out and when there are issues like what we're facing right now. So foodpantries.org and feedingamerica.org are a couple of great options to go to. All right, guys, uh, let's roll through a few Hoosier headlines. Obviously, not a lot on the menu this week, uh, but there were a few. Uh, the first one deals with recruiting or, or incoming recruits. Jordan Geronimo named New Hampshire Player of the Year, uh, which was nice to see. And while neither Anthony Leal or Trey Galloway was named Indiana Player of the Year, perhaps the top recruit remaining on any Indi- Indiana hot board that you look at, Trey Kaufman, was named Gatorade Player of the Year. And what is really notable about that is he's only a junior. And when you start looking at some yeah. of the names of guys who won that as a junior, you're talking about you know the Damon Bailey's, the Romeo Langfords, like guys who were among the best of the best. And so that is pretty pretty high praise for Trey Kaufman to win that award as a junior. Uh, by all huge, accounts, Indiana's in really good position with him. So
2: yeah, no, that's a huge deal. I mean, I don't think it's 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 hard to understate how big a deal that is, and um, uh, overstate. I mean, and. I would say, too, with Trey, he's a guy who could do a lot of things on the basketball court, and people are really going to like him. He's not a one-note, you know, post-only guy or anything. He's a guy who could step out and do some things, and um, honestly, he's a guy who could play with a lot of the guys that Indiana has on its roster. So this is, you know, Indiana's got to get him, I think. That would be a huge deal if Indiana got him.
0: We have breaking news. Breaking NCAA tournament simulation news from the folks at NCAA Sim 2020. Your Indiana Hoosiers are in the Elite Eight, ladies and gentlemen. This is just starting to make me angry. It
2: really <laughs> so is starting you, to make me if angry. If you haven't
0: been following this on Twitter, NCAA Sim 2020, I don't know what they're using to simulate, but they've simulated through, and I don't know how they put their bracket together, but I think Indiana was an 11 seed. Uh, and now Indiana in uh, the Sweet 16 facing Arizona. They win 74-66 to 66, So the Hoosiers. Moving on to the Elite Eight, Trace Jackson Davis, they're- 13 points, 9 rebounds. They nice were job, up like Chase.
2: 17 at halftime in that yeah. simulation. I was like, <laughs> what, what are they using to do this? Is it two guys in their basement? Like just shooting hoops against each other or what are they? Oh man. Well, Stop. I'll I take it a though. Simulation I, still... of,
1: uh,
3: I did a simulation of our bracket using Bart Torvik's predictive model. And guess who won Wisconsin?
0: Uh, yeah. Yeah.
3: So, no kidding. That as well.
0: No, he's got little glitches yeah, in his so algorithm. To account- I,
3: I like his work. I like his work, <laughs> but, uh, Wisconsin. Come on. We so love we love Bart good. on the show. Was, Bart's a great
0: guy, but he is a Wisconsin yes, fan, so that's absolutely. that's why that joke is funny. Um
3: but Indiana to Elite Eight, that's that's uh something that um after these two weeks is kind of nice to see.
0: That's right. Simulated Elite Eight, but hey, we'll take it. We will take it. Um, Okay, so the other really interesting news uh, is that the NCAA announced that payouts to member institutions will be much smaller this year due to the cancellation of March Madness. Now, this was not a surprise. This was expected, Uh, and that is, as you would expect, going to have a cascading impact on athletic departments big and small, especially on smaller mid-major schools that really, really rely on these payouts. Yeah, a lot of of
2: recruiting budgets are going to be cut. I think. Yeah. Uh,
0: well, I mean, you know, and, and Fred Glass released a statement, you know, he said, in addition to pursuing our number one priority of helping to protect the health and safety of our students, coaches, staff, and fans, we have also been working to mitigate the financial impact of the anticipated reductions in the distributions we traditionally receive from the NCA and Big Ten. Basically, you know, freezes on raises, freezes on bonuses, a lot of different cost-cutting measures. I think they're freezing any, uh, like, new uh, building facilities type improvements. So I don't know what that means for the updates they're doing to Cook Hall, I guess you know those are, are going to be frozen in place. So look, have they started them yet? They yeah they had started. There'd been then they're probably already
2: they're probably already paid for. Quite frankly, if they started them.
0: Um, they don't
2: like pay as they go on
0: those. Oh, okay. So maybe I imagine that was
2: factored into a previous budget.
0: Yeah. Now I don't know what if the if the workers are able to actually go there and work right now. Right. Maybe you have to wait on that. But yeah, I mean it's you know it's going to be interesting. I read an article uh, from the AD of Texas A and M, you know, that was talking about because obviously the football season is going to come before the basketball season. But if they're not, you know, if we're not back at the point yet where we can have large gatherings of people, and a school like A and M or or even a school like Indiana that may only get you know, 30 to 40,000 people, you know, those gate receipts are big and they're factored into the especially budget. In,
2: especially in college. In yeah. the NFL, they make so much off their TV deal and it gets spread evenly to the owners. The NFL could survive with six weeks of, you know, no fans. The owners won't love it because they make a lot of individual money off that. But college, those colleges make everything on game day. You know, I mean, they have yeah. TV deals. They have national you know deals. If you're uh, school in your conference with the national championship, whatever. But those gate receipts are enormous for college budgets. The NFL doesn't really care. So the NFL may push. Okay, we'll do you know a couple weeks of of you know no fans of games or limited attendance or whatever. College football can't survive that.
0: Yeah. So you know, look, it's just going to be one of those things that we have to take week by week, month by month to see what happens. But that was uh, announced today, and also uh, all Indiana summer classes, I believe, are going to be online. So, got that going too. So, lots of disruption happening. And then the last note uh, is Jeff Goodman ran a piece where I believe he got three hundred and thirty-four uh, coaches to give him their favorite movie and favorite TV show. Uh, did you guys see this? Did you see what I Ar- I saw Archie's, Archie's favorite answers. Is? Yeah, Archie. In addition to being the graphic, I don't know who that image was that they had his head superimposed on, sitting there like eating chips and watching a show. Good Photoshop work. But Archie's favorite movie is Kingpin, and his favorite TV show is Narcos. Does that good choices tell you anything about Archie Miller? Kingpin's a classic. Kingpin is a classic. Kingpin
2: is a classic, yeah.
0: Tells you a little bit about his sense of humor. So Tom Crean answered his favorite TV show is The West Wing. His favorite movie is Remember the Titans. West Wing was a good show. Seems appropriate. (laughs) Fran McCaffrey also uh, had The West Wing as his favorite TV show. And Goodfellas. As his, uh, as his favorite movie. He just
2: imagines when Joe Pesci's character gets whacked that it's an official.
0: Yeah, I also, Fran I McCaffrey has definitely done the Joe Pesci do I amuse you, what am I, a clown, mm-hmm. but actually meant it at somebody yes. and snapped at somebody. You know, I, like,
3: I like those choices by Fran, and it kind of made me mad because I don't want to like anything about Fran. <laughs> <laughs> I just don't. And I saw that on our run sheet, and I was like, dang. Okay, good choices, Fran. Still don't like you.
0: Um, I, I really, well, you're going to go to the next one, right? Yeah, Painter? Matt Matt Painter, okay. The Wire and Shawshank Redemption, which are I really two hate, just classic I choices. It,
2: I want to really dislike Matt Painter, but I think those
0: would be my answers too. So it's like... But, I mean, we can dislike Matt Painter because he's the Purdue coach, but I'm not yes, surprised that he had him I'm not surprised that he had really sensible choices because when you actually yeah. when you listen to him talk about coaching, you know he's a he's, he's a sensible, sensible, smart coach. No, so. I don't. I don't dislike it him as a person. Sense. I just he's
2: he's he's, a, he's the head coach of our rival. I want to hate him. I, it's like it makes it hard.
0: I know. <clears throat> I know. All right. Any other uh, any other news items? I, jump out I, to I will you guys. Just
3: say kudos to to Coach Miller. He bought uh, the IU po- Police Department. and yes. launched the other day. You know, whether you like Archie, don't like Archie, you do like to see people um, who are prominent uh, and have the resources to be able to share in times like this. Because uh, as we know, the people on the front line are really, really the courageous people at the hospitals and and the police and fire and all of that. Uh, I I do like that when when a coach of our program um, makes a gesture like that. And I'm sure that's happening around college athletics all the way. But um, I just want to make sure we mentioned that as well.
0: Thank you absolutely you're That's welcome great, arch that is that is a great point yeah. coach Good okay call. coming up let's reflect a little bit on the never uninteresting career of Devonte green and we are going to do so by asking three lingering perhaps even counterintuitive questions about his career and then discussing we'll do that next stick with us here on the assembly call
1: E-cigs don't burn tobacco leaves, and they come in lots of flavors. That's what tobacco companies tell you. Here are three things tobacco companies don't say. One, many teens don't know their flavored e-cigs have nicotine. Two, nicotine is a poison that can rewire the teen brain. Three, 80% of kids who tried vaping did it because of the flavors. So even when it tastes like candy, nicotine is brain poison. Go to flavorshookkids.org for more. E-cigs don't burn tobacco leaves, and they come in lots of flavors. That's what tobacco companies tell you. Here are three things tobacco companies don't say. One, many teens don't know their flavored e-cigs have nicotine. Two, nicotine is a poison that can rewire the teen brain. Three, 80% of kids who tried vaping did it because of the flavors. So even when it tastes like candy, nicotine is brain poison. Go to flavorshookkids.org for more.
0: All right. Hello, everybody. Good to see you all here. We always appreciate you all being here. My wife laughed at me at dinner, said you guys can't possibly have anything to talk about. We always find. I said we will prove you wrong. I was like, it's not the, it's not really the subjects that we talk about. It's just getting everybody together. It's not mid-August where we're like, what the hell are we going to talk about? (laughs) (laughs) For
2: those who don't have the peek behind the curtain, it's there are some AC radio shows in the late summer where we're just like, I mean, what do we have? (laughs) Because we've done a lot of shows over the years (laughs) where we've covered like the okay, we have nothing to talk about. Let's do our IU Mount Rushmore. Like, you know, we've
0: done shows like (laughs) that. So we
2: got nothing left in that bin. So we always have to kind of like find something. And there there are, I would say, about four shows a year where I'm sitting here and I'm just like, there's there's no way we can get a show out of this. And we wind up doing it. But it's like, I'll be... We'll be we'll be halfway through the first segment and they will be like we're done. It's over. Like we, we, we always find our way through.
3: It's- do a profile of chat mob members. Just get on yeah. and start talking hey. about. Hey, here's mm-hmm. what we think of Joel. Chat mobbers. Now, Joel's this dude. You know he, he cooks well. He helps out at the tailgate. You know what kind also, of
0: what kind of drops could we get out of bringing Joel on here oh my oh, goodness
3: you you have to have the beat <laughs> drops
2: there. that would become <laughs> home field apparel t-shirts that's the that's would you don't want oh man don't I just want pulled a Jay bike on
3: because uh Jay would just make this mediocre and we're about you know really doing a good job so Jay Jay can't be on the show we'd
2: lose some viewers but some would pop in as well it'd be pretty we, mediocre yes yeah.
3: yeah. no joel would be fascinating now Joel. Joel is a man of mystery. He is a man. We could have mystery. Joel and Megan on at the same show, and we wouldn't. You just have to hit play, and then I oh, just I'm, leave. <laughs> yeah, you could just leave.
0: Joel and <laughs> Megan, just just let them take over the show.
3: Exactly. Those
2: two could Joel, for,
0: Megan, and Megan's mom.
2: It would be a four-hour <laughs> show, and it, it would it would be entertaining the entire time.
0: <laughs> oh man, that is hey,
3: funny. But hey, there is an idea. We need to have chat mobs send some short drops and see if we like them to <laughs> just send
2: it, them things it, to read. Just, just send, send them like little yeah, clips. Them that's out of context things to read. Just
0: Oh, you know, speaking well so speaking of that, so we have and people have probably done this and I need to go through and look at them, but we have these chat mob applications. And I'm putting the link in there because we we ha- we do have to induct some new people into the chat mob and get them shirts and then bring them on and do the the post show segments with them. So we do need to do that. It's so been I, a while since we've done that. I know. So go there. and I'm sure if you've already done this, I apologize for getting behind, but I'll try to get caught up on them now that we're actually in the off season. But go to assembly call. Oh wait, I can't say this to the podcast folks because this is just for the YouTube folks. So I just put the link in the YouTube chat. So so I'm sorry if you're listening on the podcast or you know on the radio. To be part of the chat mob, you got to be there like in the chat with the YouTube folks. So Mm -hmm. you got to show up live. So that's how it works. So anyway, uh, Owen says, when you run out of ideas, just have Coach eat a carrot.
3: I'm not. I'm done with carrots.
2: (laughs)
0: I'll eat yours, Coach. I'm a big carrot
3: fan. I know they're good for you, but... It's too
0: bad the guy's name wasn't Pizza, and then you could be done with pizza, and you know, it would be a healthier decision than getting rid of carrots.
3: Is that a fat joke?
0: No, I'm just saying. (laughs) Like, just in (laughs) general... Just in general, in general, same thing, you know, same and thing a new for me. Segment,
3: Jared's Health Tips for Coach Tonsoni. We want you around <laughs> was, for, for when he finally hangs a banner. We don't want you to be not here in your unhealthy self.
2: Uh, <laughs> Coach, how's parenting going this week? With the you, you always mention your boys are
3: uh, boys. Back. one came home just for two days and we sent him back to his quarantine home in Carmel uh, with right. his wife, and, uh, and then the other one's still here and you know he sleeps till. He sleeps till 10, sets his alarm, wakes up, and goes back to sleep until 1, then gets up, and <laughs> he does go uh, help uh, one of his autistic clients uh, two hours a day exercise, so that's his work, essential work, and then he comes home, and then he sleeps some more, so he's really not too much of a pain.
2: Man, yeah, this stuff's, this stuff's right. going to pass. He's just going to sleep right through it. It'll be great. I know.
3: He's just. I mean, I guess if you're 21 and can't go anywhere, what else are you going to do?
0: Yeah, get caught up on sleep.
3: He is yeah, drinking my-, my beer, though. So my we've been is he replenishing father.
0: it though, is he going and no, no
3: well not yet.
2: Well, yeah, we've been quarantined for my parents for a week, so we'll see him finally tomorrow. Well, it's been a week since we've seen them, so we'll it'll be that'll be good. I will. Not can your mom bring some sleep. tiramisu? <laughs> <laughs> I will not go over there and sleep though, Coach. I promise you, I won't do yeah. that to my
3: parents.
0: That's good. Jay said that Homefield needs to make him a mediocre shirt. I don't think home field is capable of making mediocre
3: shots. No, they're <laughs> top notch. They uh, you know,
2: know what me. we should do? We should do some branded content on some of these shirts. I don't know how much it costs to get like some made, but like some of like our
0: most famous drops, maybe just like that. That would be funny. Call. yeah, that would be funny. We talked about putting coach's entire Purdue rant on there, <laughs> just on the back. Just put, yeah, like, just like just on the back, like in small put, letters, like, the entire the entire like, Purdue rant. T- the front would be like
2: Assembly Call presents Tonsoni time and then on the back the entire rant.
3: Are you you, you really show your ass. You show Don't your, show ass, your ass, ass when you do that.
0: <laughs> it is it is still funny every time I listen to it.
3: I'm sorry. That's ridiculous. That's just not right. You can mischaracterize <laughs> that all you want, chat mobbers.
2: <laughs> just, well, so somebody in the chat uh, said we should have a San Diego chicken bleep shirt too.
0: That would be good. Where is uh? San Diego chicken there it is oh man hold that uh, thought because someone did ask a Phil Rivers question for the uh, oh nice For, the, <laughs> for I'm, the I'm happy match. to
2: do a whole show on Philip Rivers no. at some point if, just a if, very if the short off, segment no, if the, no I'm saying if the offseason gets rough we'll do, <laughs> we, I'll do a scouting report how he threw the ball last year whatever you guys need
0: 10 reasons Philip Rivers will be the best Colts quarterback of the last two decades two decades Maybe the last I mean if like you want to make years, it if you want to make it a hot take you know I think Payton was a little better maybe just a know. little bit just a little bit but do you think Luck was better Um, I think
2: luck had the potential to be better. I think he struggled a lot in that offense that they had him in. He threw a lot of interceptions at one point and he, he had a thing where he threw, he overthrew everybody. Like he threw it like five yards over guys heads. luck had all the talent in the world and stuff like that. I also think that he just, he struggled with football. It had nothing to do with his ability. I think that he just struggled with football from a physical standpoint and from a mental standpoint knowing how smart he is of do i really want to be doing this a lot and i think that that when you're doing that it 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 hurts your performance you know if you're questioning whether or not you should be out there you shouldn't be out there and and i think that that's why he retired ultimately when he did is he just didn't want to do the work he it didn't he didn't have that burning desire to do the work to get back into it and i think that's the right move it's a smart move the guy mm-hmm. was
0: hurt you can't do it halfway and,
2: yeah, he was hurt every season. It seemed like, and he he played through a lot of injuries when he was younger that he never sat out for, you know. And so, I, I think he's he's amazing. Uh, he he was a very talented guy. I thought he was the next Peyton Manning for sure, and that was before I knew he was going to the Colts. You know, I mean, I just thought he was a phenomenally talented guy who had it all. I just think that once he got there and started getting hurt, it was like, mm, you know, no, I I don't think that Rivers will be better than Luck. I think that he's a he's a really good fit right now for what they need while they figure out a long-term solution.
0: Uh, to Indiana U-Hoops, he says, no way Rivers is the best QB for the Colts over the last two decades. I know. I was just yeah, kidding. Yeah, we know. We I know. <laughs> <laughs> I was kidding. Okay. Uh, the key for
2: the Colts, uh, one last thing is people are discussing in the chat. The key for the Colts is protecting the quarterback, which they haven't done in a long time. It's getting an offensive line that can protect the quarterback. They got a good run-blocking offensive line. They need guys... Who can protect the quarterback that's why luck retired early because he got murdered behind that offensive line so whether it's luck rivers Brissett, whoever's back there you got to protect them
0: so that's the point. you do now we'll even see it's going to be interesting for some of the teams that have new quarterbacks too. what um how maybe not having a full offseason is going to affect them
1: so yeah just, there's really. so
0: much up in the air with sports right now it's crazy it is crazy. Okay, uh, give me about 10 seconds and then we will start this segment just because it'll be easier for me to keep time if we start right on. So here we go. Five, four, three,
2: two, one. What's up, y'all? It's Devontae Green giving you the green light to watch Assembly Call after every IU game. Just don't listen to their opinions about shot selection. Remember, you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. Go Hoosiers.
0: Thank you, Devontae. Welcome back to the Assembly Call. You can find all of our content at our website, assemblycall.com. And if you ever want to join the chat mob during our unedited live broadcast or watch those replays and see all of the Between Segment banner, then check out our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash assemblycall. I'm Jared Morris here with Ryan Phillips and the coach Brian Tonsoni. And guys, I wanted to spend a little time just reflecting on Devontae Green's time at Indiana. Um, and I wanted to try to frame this in maybe a little bit of a different way. And so I kind of thought of some lingering questions that, you know, that we still have as Devontae's career has now ended. And obviously, it's disappointing to all of us that we didn't get to see how it finished. You know, if this, if this simulation that is currently going on, if that's actually what would have happened, Devontae Green probably would have been a 1,000-point score. At Indiana, you know, and obviously would have played in the tournament and probably, you know, would have authored several more memorable moments. But obviously, we know that he had a very up and down career, you know, it was interesting, but it was interesting in good ways. And it was interesting uh, in bad ways. But let's ask these these lingering questions and I want to get your guys thoughts on them. So the first question that I want to ask, and I'm going to kind of just take the devil's advocate position uh, and argue what I think is maybe the the counterintuitive pos- position and then see what you guys think. The first question is, are we going to miss Devontae more than we think next season? Because it has been easy for some people to say, hey, this guy has been really inconsistent. You know, he, you know, was never able to kind of be the guy that maybe we all hoped he could be. So now, you know, and, and, you know, was he on the same page with his coach? All of these things. Will Indiana now be better without him? And what I would say, and Coach, you kind of alluded to this, is if you look at Indiana's biggest wins over the last two seasons, right? the Penn State game this year where he had 10 points, Iowa game he has 27, Ohio State game 19, Florida State game 30. You go back to last season, the Michigan State game, 13 points, 4 assists, the other Michigan State game, 11 points, 5 assists. In a lot of Indiana's big wins, not all of them, but in a lot of them, he really carried a heavy load scoring-wise. And if you look, look at it this way, in terms of how many times a guy has scored 16 or more points against top 100 competition – Devontae did it 14 times in his career. Al Durham has done it three times. Rob Finnessy has done it once. Armand Franklin has done it once. Now, granted, Rob and Armand are still very young in their careers, and Devontae hadn't done it a ton before he was a junior or a senior. But the point is, as you look toward next season, who is going to be the guy, especially the guard, who steps up to score points in big games like Devontae could? Because for all of Devontae's faults, he is a guy that sometimes could just get red hot, And carry Indiana, a team that didn't have much other guard scoring to lean on. Now, the flip side to this is that there are losses that might have become wins with more consistent production from Devontae. You know, in the Purdue game, he scored three points. In the Rutgers game, he scored zero. In the Iowa game last year, he scored five that Indiana lost in overtime. In the 48 46 Purdue game, he scored three. So that's the counter. But, coach, you know, do you think that we're going to miss him more than we think next season when we don't have that nuclear score? To sometimes go out and win your game.
3: Let me let me start by saying thanks, Devontae, for giving Indiana four years and and for you know the successes you had. You know we appreciate people who wear the Indiana uniform. And then the answer is no, we're not going to miss him. Um, we we used him and he was used and played hard uh, and did what he could do. Uh, it's time for him to move on and we hope that he has a decent chance of playing overseas or someplace like that and can make some money on this uh, awesome game. Uh, But we're going to fill that role with other people might be spread out. Um, But uh, some of the some of the other things besides points uh, were some of the reasons that uh, fans and, and coaches were frustrated with him, whether it be the 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 ball handling or some of the, the misplays on defense. Uh, and so when you solely look at points, that's just one of the uh, many parts of the game of basketball. Uh, I, I think he was a scorer, and that's what he did. The other things he didn't do extremely well. And, and you will miss maybe the points a little bit Um but you'll fill that in with players that do some of the other things that he did not do. Uh, and so for me, I'm not going to miss him from the Indiana roster, other than the fact that, you know, once you're a Hoosier, there's always a, a place, a special place for me for, for playing for four years. But I think you, you pick up what he had basketball wise somewhat easily next year.
0: Ryan?
2: Yeah, I was as hard on Devontae as anyone this year. And in some ways, I regret some of the, you know, hyperbole about it. I, I you know, we got caught up in games just like everybody. Were we you? Because there
0: were some people games. that were really hard on him. So,
2: well, <laughs> no, I mean, I, 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 on, okay, how about on a broadcast, uh, okay, you know, channel. <laughs> All right, fine. Um, I, you know, and and I, I looked back, I was looking back through Twitter at some of the things we've said about Devontae over the years. And I think when he was a freshman, a lot of us wanted him to play more because he could hit shots. And uh, in in that year, 16, 17, not a lot. You know, they they he was a guy who could make things happen off the bench. He played all 32 games, started three, averaged about 15 minutes a game. I remember and he shot 43 and a half percent from three. And, and so we were all looking with anticipation to the development of Devontae Green. And I remember when he was recruited, one of the quotes he said was he wanted to be the best defensive player in college basketball. And we were all really excited about that because Tom Crean teams were not, you know, uh, did not rely on defense very much. And we were really looking for a defensive mindset. One of the things I think is interesting is I think it's, it's clear that Devontae had some of his signature moments this year And the games he went off the most in, he hit threes in, but he only shot 35.8% from three, which was down from 41% last year. So that tells you that in those big games, he was on fire but when he was not on fire, it was the other end of the spectrum if his percentage went down. Um, he also had to take a lot
0: of end-of-shot-clock shots that hurt his percentage.
2: No, I, not, it's not all on him. It, yeah. was, it was a lot of the ways how he fit in the offense. I mean, here's the thing about Devontae. By last year, we knew what he was. I think there was a lot of wishful thinking that he's going to transform into this player that, that Archie Miller wants him to be, but he was who he was. and And yeah. the fact that he couldn't fit into the system Is as much on the coaching staff and the system as him. You know, it just was a mismatched pair, I feel like, in a lot of ways. And whether that, whoever's fault that is, it doesn't matter. It's over now. But it just was a mismatched pair. And you could tell how frustrated it was for Archie because he saw the potential for greatness in Devontae. And we all saw it. You saw the Florida State game, you saw the Iowa game. I mean, that guy could go, as I've said before, he could go nuclear as fast as any player that I've seen in an IU uniform since I've been an Indiana fan. And it was really, really fun to watch when he did that. It was as exciting as watching anybody go off. It was like, for me and my fans, it was like Victor Oladipo on fire, doing crazy, amazing things, and Devontae, as far as when they were going good. The difference was, when things got bad, Victor offered you things and Devonte didn't as much. So I think that it's a good question. Will we miss him in some moments where we need someone to hit a big shot and we, you don't feel like anyone's stepping up to it. Maybe not. But if the trade-off is Devonte goes and you get Christian Lander, who's going to be a guy who can run a team and be a point guard and get people involved. I don't think we will. We'll miss him because, again, as Coach eloquently said, when a guy gives four years to your university, he's part of the family. He's allowed to come back. You want him. I hope we see him sitting behind the bench next year or or wherever with all the other guys that come back. Um, but on the you know on the same token, I think that what's going out, I think what we're bringing in is going to be better and 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 better a better fit certainly um, for the next level. Okay. He
3: was he was um, a three point shooter. Uh, and, and I think of like Nick Zysloff, uh, being able to hit threes and do some things and, and be that kind of shooter, but, uh, Ziesloff appreciated his role and understood his role. Uh, and I think. Uh, both Devontae and all of us and the coaching staff needed Devontae to be a little bit more than what he was, which was just a three-point shooter. Uh, he was our best abil- person to score. And so when he scored, we want, we're want in games and winning games. When he didn't score, it was a big struggle. And, and I know we have Trace Jackson Davis inside, and, and I know that's your best option. But but really, at the beginning of the year, I thought he was going to be Indiana's closer. And I talked a lot about that on the last show when we did our, our – our, um, final four picks of the bracket about how I like to pick the closers, the guy that can just get you buckets in tight situations, not dependent on offense. And he never, he never was able to do that. And I think he wanted to be that we wanted him to be that, but what he really was, was a guy just to hit spot up threes and hit three or four of them uh, in big games and then go to somebody else and play other people. And I think, um, you know, what we needed Devante to do, he really couldn't do. And, he wanted to, and I think that's that was some of the problems last year with Romeo and him between Romeo and him that Devonte wanted to be the guy, but he just he just didn't play in a fashion that allowed him to be the guy, and that that was part of the offensive struggles because there really wasn't anyone else you could shut down Trace Jackson Davis by double teaming quick off the ball, forcing him to kick the ball out. You needed that other scorer,
1: yeah. and
3: Indiana did not have that. So, um, you know that that's where. I think sometimes it's not fair for Devontae, and jumping ahead, I don't want to take away your, your last question there. Um, he was no, a shooter, and, yeah, well, and he, wasn't, he wasn't a scorer. And every Indiana needed him to be a scorer, and, and I think that's a little bit of unfair for me and everyone else to, to judge him. But, um, you know, when you're offered that opportunity, you do one of two things. You step up and you do it, or you don't. And, and I don't believe that he did. Um, I'm not saying he didn't try, but he just obviously did not become – the lead dog in in the i u offense yeah, yeah
1: and for, it, for the record, as far as my right.
0: answer goes, I tend to agree with what both of you said i, I would I would side more on on that side that I think on the net I think there will be a net positive, like I think on balance, it'll just be just because it wasn't such a good fit between he and Archie. you know I think for that reason alone, it could help, but that that, that brings us to the second question, which is, do you guys think that as a fan base, we were fair? to Devontae Green. I I think we were on this show. Um uh, certainly, you know, we certainly tried For the to most be. part, yeah. yeah, but you know, you know cuz when you look at it, you know, Devonte was recruited by Tom Crean to play in a very open offense that valued shooting and could live with turnovers, could live with poor shot selection and streaky defense, which were all of the bad things Devontae brought to the table. And if you look at his high school scouting reports, and we've talked about this before, it is to a T what he was at Indiana. You know, and so you could say, well, you know, it would have been nice if he would have improved and this, that, and the other. But, you know, a guy, a basketball player to a certain level, his instincts are what they are. And that's the guy that Indiana recruited, you know, that Indiana recruited, even if it wasn't Archie who recruited him. And so, you know, he was who he was projected to be. And so he gets here, Kareem gets fired, in comes a coach who installed a much different system that was not as geared toward Devontae's strengths. And he didn't have a lot of backcourt help around him. You know, kind of to your point, Coach, he was being asked to do something that he probably wasn't really well-suited to do. He and the coach clearly had their clashes. But still, at the end of four years, he was a three-star recruit who ended up scoring almost 1,000 points and was the best player on the court in some of Indiana's biggest wins over the last two years. So, you know, I understand the disappointment and the frustration during his career, but I really feel like by any objective measure, you would have to say his time at Indiana was a success given what his high school pedigree was and then what the production was. Now, if you want to grade on some kind of curve because this wasn't a great era of IU basketball and he played more minutes than maybe he would have on good Indiana teams and so the production numbers shouldn't count as much, Like I get there's some shades of gray in there. But again, just given what he was as a recruit, what he produced... That's pretty successful. And when you factor in the difficulty of having to play three years for a coach that you don't really fit into his system, you know, I just I wonder if enough thought was given to that in the knee jerk reactions in a game when people got mad at him. And obviously not because it's a knee jerk reaction, but I hope as we step back and look at that, we can still acknowledge the mistakes and the faults, coach, as you did, but maybe have a little bit a little bit more empathy for, you know, some of the challenges he faced and the fact that. He is who he was as a player, and it just wasn't a very good fit overall.
3: Yeah, and the other thing, though, is he was a lightning rod, and and whether this is true or not, you'll never know, whether because we're not there. And you always got to be fair, and and you know, coaching guys uh, as well. You you don't want people to to badmouth them there, but there there was rumors to be problems between he and Romeo. There was the suspension nah. for a selfish selfish act, um, you know, and, and I I know that happens across college basketball. Um, well, and their suspensions, but if you really are into a program, you don't get yourself suspended. Uh, and then there were former players that were hinting that, uh, you know, that that he might be part of the, the struggle uh, of the team. So th- there's some smoke there, whether there's fire or not, no one will fairly understand that. But I, that's why I would say, you know, he, he stuck it out which is good with the coaching state change. He did win some big games and you remember that. Uh, but I do think it could have turned out better um, overall for Devonte green. And, and I'm trying to be as respectful. Fair enough.
0: Yeah. Uh,
2: I, I think that the big issue here was if Devonte green, who was who he was offensively, obviously the turnovers wouldn't have been okay with Archie, but if he played defense, the way that he was capable most of the time, yeah, I think that Archie would have lived with it. And the, the problem was that when Devontae would get going offensively, he could sometimes lock in defensively and be a pest defensively and be a solid on-ball defender and just an absolute pest. The problem was those, those times were few and far between because – you know, he had to get going offensively. Now there were games where he played well defensively, but it was so streaky. And I think that was what frustrated Archie and why he was removed from the starting lineup was because the other guys Rob Finnessy, at least for the most part plays defense Al Durham, God love him, he tries to play defense. He's not a great on-ball defender, but you get effort from him. And I feel like that was the big issue there. And then Justin Smith had games where he w- looked as good as any defender in the Big 10 and had other games where he didn't, but he played a different position. And and I feel like with Devontae, if he had just played defense the way he was capable, maybe he's incapable of playing consistently. Like I don't you know, I don't know if that's just a a trait to his game or you know, where you get high highs and low lows, but I do think he's a guy who, when he was on fire was great on both ends of the floor. It wasn't just an offensive guy. He could be great on both ends of the floor. And we saw that and it helped win us games, but, on the other end, it was just an inconsistency, and and I think that, and Devontae's acknowledged that in in post game pressers, he acknowledged it that he's just inconsistent, and hopefully heading into the the next level, he can figure that out and and lock in because he's certainly talented enough, and he's got enough innate talent to be a, a really good consistent offensive threat and a pretty good on ball defender. Yep.
0: Okay, and Ryan, that leads to the third lingering question, which is, will Devontae Green ever play in the NBA? Now, I know that everybody's immediate reaction is going to be to say no and give this 0% chance of happening. Let me just argue the other side just to play devil's advocate because the cons are easy. He doesn't have the ideal size. His decision-making is suspect. He hasn't shown good instincts in transition. He's good at a bunch of stuff offensively, but he's not really elite at anything. I get all the reasons why he's probably not going to play in the NBA, but He is good at some things that are valued in today's NBA for bench players. He's a good, albeit streaky, outside shooter. He's actually a pretty good isolation scorer. He's a good pick-and-roll ball handler. He does have a rational confidence that could make him valuable as a scorer off the bench, and he can defend when he wants to, if he's motivated. Plus, you know, this is just a fact. His name and bloodlines will get him looks that others might not get, and you know, just if you compare him to his brother, his college numbers are a step below, but not totally out of line with what Danny Green did. Now, Danny was six six and a you know an all conference defender, and, so there are differences. And
2: played with some of the best players yes. of their era too.
0: Yes, but you know also what could his game look like in an offensive system more tailored to it? Because we haven't really seen that. So again, it is unlikely. But Ryan, do you give it? any like if you had to place a percentage chance on it at all do you think that there's even a remote possibility that he someday plays in an nba game or do you think that that's just totally bonkers 1% chance okay. uh he
2: might play he might play summer league and he might play in the g league i think he'd fit really well overseas because of his offensive skill set yeah uh, again if he finds consistency uh but his size kind of makes it difficult uh and, and that's my major concern is his size yeah, and it's not size. like and his it's not at, like at his size, he's an elite athlete who can go up and get, you know, I mean, he's, he's an okay athlete, uh, but his innate offensive ability, if he can find a way to harness that, I think he could go over and play and be very successful in Europe if he finds the right league and the right team in the right situation. I mean, we've seen got former Indiana guys do that and have a lot of success, and I think that's possible for him if he can iron out the problems in his um you know iron out the problems with consistency
0: and be mature you know one
2: of the things of Of guys who really
0: succeed overseas is there's a maturity about them because i think that's a difficult life and so i think you know for him kind of growing up just a little bit more i think would help him but he's certainly got the talent and the ability so if he has the desire you know i think those opportunities will be there i I agree I, i don't think the nba is likely again i'm trying to argue kind of the you know the opposite side of it um but so I just, I think there's maybe a few more things there in his bag that he brings to the table than maybe people would would assume. You know, to give him a chance at the professional sure. ranks.
3: Do you think um, he's in lines of like <clears throat> Verdell Jones and Troy Williams, those people who had up and downs, either <clears throat> loved him one game, didn't like him another, and and both of those guys. Uh, seem to be more respected once they left the program, uh, and you look back on what those two guys brought. Or is is Devonte below that?
0: Um, it's different. Level? I think it's different. He's he's certainly not on Troy's level as a player overall, um, and it's different because those guys were part of successful teams. You know, so you link them. You know, Verdell. You know, was part of that 2012 team that brought things back, and Troy, despite his ups and downs, was really good in helping Indiana get a Big Ten title. And Devontae yeah. didn't have that, but I do think. As people reflect on his career and we get further removed from it, I think the the thoughts on it will be more fond than they were in the fog of battle while yes, we were going I through it.
2: Agree fully. I think that like that Florida State game. I mean, I watched it again the other day just for fun because we don't have anything any sports to watch. So I watched that back, and that was entertaining as heck. Like it was f- watching him go off in that game. Was thrilling and it was fun. I, I've watched the Iowa game back before. I watched that on my flight out to New York actually a couple of weeks back just because I was looking through some IU stuff and uh, getting ready for the Big Ten tournament. And I watched the Iowa game again. And I was sort of like, what did we do in this game to like play well? And, you know, watching him just bury four straight threes is, <laughs> I mean, it, like that's thrilling. That as a fan, you love those moments and he has some of those moments, you know, that make it. A fond memory. I don't, again, he didn't win a Big Ten title. He didn't have, you know, he didn't make the, you know, he didn't have the assist on the watch shot or, or anything like that, but he had these really fun moments where everybody was just kind of like, wait, Devonte did that, you know, and, and sort of the yes, yeah, or no, no, yes shots. And, uh, I do think people will look back on that somewhat fondly. You tend to remember the good more but than the it's, bad. It's
0: easier for the O for five games to just fade because there was exactly. nothing that memorable about them. But exactly. you're going to remember the, you know, him making the bad six threes t- in the game.
2: The bad memories tend to fade as far as like individual performances go.
0: Yeah. All righty. Well, good discussion, gentlemen. Um, good to reflect on Devontae. I'm sure we'll do one of these on Duran uh, as well. But to echo what you said, Coach. We thank Devontae for his time as a Hoosier and certainly wish him luck. And we'll be following along his career wherever it leads. And, you know certainly his legacy on this show will probably be the best uh the best intro that we have (laughs) because that one is really funny
2: one of the best (laughs) drops we've ever had so Devontae, (laughs) hall of famer in that category my friend
0: yes all right uh coming up in our third segment we are going to answer your questions we have a mediocre question that reflects on indiana's mediocre last two decades and yes a listener made the mistake of asking ryan a question about philip Rivers, so we'll have to listen to his answer about that stick with us here on the assembly call Twenty two oh two for that segment. That is good. Um, Coach, do you have any lingering thoughts on hosting a show with Ryan and Scott?
3: Oh, it was fantastic. Those those are my kind of <laughs> dudes. You know, because they're all in. They're all in, and they're they not are afraid all in, man. Say, They're not afraid to say what they think. They're, they're not wishy washy, and yet they're not like you know some people that just say stupid stuff on the air and i'll refrain from saying that person's name but i have mad respect for those two i'm feeling here. wait are you
0: referring to, to someone on the show yeah
3: friend of the show but um no the guy who's no, a big fan of the
2: show oh okay he's a the real show. big fan of the show no no well, okay so all right i thought that so was a was shot just, at andy
3: no 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 uh <laughs> although andy, shots and, at andy. andy's hat's choice this week has been kind of uh you know questionable at best sheriff bottoms He's doing the dad thing well, and I'm I'm proud of that for Andy. But, boy, he looked a little goofy yeah. on those. Never,
0: <laughs> never never, judge a man by the things that he gets photographed doing as a dad with daughters. No. Just, no. That's off limits.
3: Um, off limits. But, no, it was great. And I, I really like Scott and his passion, uh, and I like Ryan, uh, as I've said over and over again. I think it's just great to get on. The problem was, like, manning the board and everything and watching the time just keep going and going and going and not knowing <laughs> – you know, and then I—you're allowed to interrupt. step in
2: and stop us. I <laughs> couldn't.
3: There's no way I could stop in. I just kind of had to wait for a little bit of a lull, and I had to kind of the timing. Uh, but I—but no, it was—it was a lot of fun. I thought it was a great job, and and those those rewatches are are really much needed for for our fan base. And, and I we're have to doing say. Them.
2: I have to say, I was really kind of sketchy on the project. I wasn't sure how fun it was going to be. I thought it was going to make me want to miss the tournament. But once the game got going, I kind of got into it. Yeah, You know, like I I just thought it was going to be like, man, we're looking back. I wish there was a game right now. But (laughs) I I actually really got into it. I had had a lot of fun watching it. And again, some of these games, you know, I do remember watching that IU LSU game back when I was a kid, you know, at a friend's house. Um, because we all were enamored with Shaq, you know, and yeah, and he was such a big personality and such a a transcendent player. But I remember also being really impressed with Calvert Chaney in that game as a kid and became kind of a Calvert fan. And, um, so I, yeah, it was one of those things where I thought, uh, you know, am I gonna enjoy doing this or not? But I, I really got into it, I had a blast. So, man.
0: No one is as excited for that project as Scott. He is so yeah. excited yeah. to do it. Because I sent out the email, the original email, and I forgot to put him on it. You know, because I, I, I emailed Galen and I emailed Chris right. and Galen immediately sent it to Scott. And I got a text from Scott like 30 seconds later calling me out for not including him on it. And like, dude, are you mad at me? Like, what <laughs> you know, what's going on? He's like, I've been wanting to do this for years. This is so, I mean, he is so excited to do this. Which, you could tell. If you could definitely tell. He was ready to go, man. I had a question.
2: Had Scott ever been on Assembly Call before?
0: No. That was his first time. Yeah, I didn't think so. We've been on his show, but yeah, he'd never been on. We, We talked about doing it, and the scheduling never worked. So... Yeah, it was That's good to get him funny on here.
2: that Like for yeah. years, we've we've obviously had not like a partnership, but like a friendship with obviously Galen, who comes on our show all the time, yeah. and Crimson Cast, And we've kind of like paralleled them for years and been buddies with them. But like the fact that he's never been on the show, I mean, it was because it's one of those things where we talk about them so much. I was like, at some point in the, you know, it was 700 shows or was it 600 shows we've done? Yeah. Estimated 600 shows we've done. Like he has to have come on one time and he never had yeah. and that surprised me. Yeah.
3: The one problem I did have, Jared is, you know, to to be in the the 1992 show you put me with a sixth grader and a sophomore in high school yeah yeah i was in sixth I mean, <laughs> grade it's kind of hard to, to stay in in a bit uh, well
0: I mean, also ryan just truthful. refused to do it from his opening statement so that didn't help very much
2: <laughs> well i like it was weird to do yeah like, it's I weird kinda, <laughs> of course no, no, it's but weird. i kind of wanted to do like a comparison a little bit of a comparison then i kind of got into it i i kind of got into it midway through the first second
0: <laughs> yeah just totally totally refused to do it off the top but then you, well, it just, you
2: know it. what it was that team there was such a dichotomy from the last couple years that i had to i had to mention it because that team what was uh You're just attacked me. and just knew and so i had to mention something because it was like from my perspective like i don't remember watching that you know so i i have a different perspective on indiana basketball than you guys and i just got i watched it. indiana basketball when i was growing up and everything you know from afar but i didn't see every game i saw the big games and so i had to mention just man, there was something about those guys where they just all were, they were so focused. They were in attack mode. They figured out how to attack and they just relentlessly attacked and made the defense stop them. And they just, they had a plan and they each were, the the thing that shocked me, it wasn't that they had a plan because every team has a plan. Whether or not they executed is the question. It was that everybody was on the same page about what to do about that plan. And that was so different to me. And it's honestly, it's different than modern college basketball. It is. There's so many individual players who yeah. are individual players and who freelance and do this and do that. That team had a game plan and just relentlessly attacked the same... They attacked the same spot for like 20 possessions in a row. Yeah. No selfishness, just that... Whoever was in that spot in on the baseline, they just gave it to him. Gave it to him. Gave, it gave it to him. Gave it to him. And it was... It, I mean... It was relentless and it would that so I had to I, I, I know you love this project and you wanted to do it that way, but I, I had to mention that just it's so different than what I was used to it's seeing amazing when
0: everybody's on the same page and does what the what the plan is. It really is
2: and it and it makes basketball look so much easier. It really well, got, that, it
0: ma- And that's the thing about watching that team is you're watching all five guys on the same page, but that have high basketball IQs. Yep. And what an offense thing. can look like when every player on the court can hit a fifteen foot jump shot.
2: It and opens up every, everything. And when everybody on the court is playing for the guy next to him, too. Yeah, Like, there was no... Calvert had 30, but he got that 30 within the
0: offense. It wasn't like they were just feeding Calvert, feed Calvert, make it... I mean, go Bob work. Knight's offense always had a featured score. Like, that's just yeah. how it was, you know? But it was and he, he was, was that guy. getting
2: he was getting the ball within the scheme of the offense and he wasn't afraid to give it up. And, you know, it's not like, and that was the dichotomy for you, for me, which was what LSU was doing was just feed Shaq and let him go to work and everybody else back off. And that was, give it to Calvert. Calvert kicks it out, repost moves around, gets it back. You know I mean? It was, he was taking his opportunities as they came, not demanding the ball, catching it and going one-on-one on on somebody. It was, it was through the offense and that was so impressive. So, I thought it was I, – I had a blast watching it. It was fun to watch pretty basketball.
3: Here's that, was, a, that was
2: pretty basketball. Mm-hmm. Here's Plus what Shaq, re- Shaq was fun to watch. too.
3: Rewatch did for me. I remembered where I was at. I was engaged at the time, and we had a couple's wedding shower on that day, and I actually went instead of watching the game. I remember watching the game while the couple's shower was going on. If that happened now, Mrs. Tonsoni's going by herself. <laughs> <laughs> no, no way i'm missing indiana in the tournament now but yeah but
0: i mean you Moose, do different when you're it, engaged when you're first dating you're willing to make some sacrifices you know i, I know but this yeah. is
3: indiana this, this isn't any other place I
0: mean, no but get, that's but get it's get your future wife that's what we i mean get- but that's how you know that's how you yeah, know man. she's the one because you'll miss an indiana game for her I, that's I how soft. you know i was soft. no that's not soft it, no, i no, give no, you no, i give you a total pass on that you get a pass
2: I missed That's an Indiana soft. game for for my girlfriend this year.
0: It's soft. it's
2: I'm not soft. <laughs> Watch it, Tonsoni.
3: Hey, I do, I do. Hey, next time me
2: soft we, for missing it. The missing next time, time we have
3: a, although there was an epic story that happened at this wedding shower, I cannot say over the air. I
2: can't wait till we're in Bloomington but, next but time. Next time this we're in story. Bloomington, okay. I will
3: tell the core guys, and then you know everyone who hangs around till two or three in the morning, I'll probably <laughs> let it slip. I did not tell something <laughs> happened and I did not tell a soul for close to seven years. Oh
2: boy. Wow.
3: Yeah, and I finally told Amy and then slowly the story has come out and, and uh yeah. So Wow, wow. now this everybody's intrigued. Jim, yeah,
2: we gotta get there. As soon as airlines start running, yeah, we gotta get there and get yeah.
0: there. By the way, Joel exact with the, the best point, who schedules a wedding in March? <laughs> it's
2: a fair point. Fair point. Wait, was it in Indiana? Fair point. Was it in Indiana, Coach?
3: Uh, yes. It, 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 who
2: scheduled? Yeah, an Indiana wedding in March. What? Yeah. no, the
3: our our wedding wasn't in March. The no, the not you, shower. not you. The one, yeah, you the, were, oh, the wedding
0: shower,
2: wedding okay. shower. Yeah. for
3: for Amy and I.
0: Oh, okay, the and, shower. Okay,
2: okay.
3: Yeah. so we got married in June, but no, Moose is in the in the uh, chat. He's he just uh, and his uh, fiance said yes a while back. And uh, so you know, he's got to make sure to plan away from <laughs> playing, around
2: yeah, hey. playing around basketball season. Plan around
3: basketball season.
0: You got to do what you got to do.: All right, do what you got to do this off. All right, let's go to the mailbag. Just give me 15 seconds, and we will start the next segment. All right, here we go. Get everything set up. Okay, let's get through as many of these questions as we can. Here we go. Three, two, one.
1: ron davis and what's the only thing better than dominating a duke big man in the post
3: is celebrated with friends afterwards join gerard andy ryan
1: and coach on the assembly hall call after every iu basketball game go hoosiers
0: thank you Duran. welcome back to the assembly hall call i am gerard morris here with ryan phillips and the coach brian tonsoni remember that you need to be subscribed to our email newsletter we send out a weekly IU news roundup even during the off season and after every game we send out a detailed post game analysis just text IU to 66866 or go to assemblycall.com that's IU to 66866 or go to assemblycall.com and again I'm really I'm not making fun of Duran when he does that we have all done the assembly hall call thing before and I used to be called Gerard all the time in high school basketball introduction so i'm just used to it it's cool uh, all right guys time for our mailbag all these questions submitted via our private iu basketball discussion community at assemblycall.com community uh, the first question it's not that good but it's not that
1: bad it's jay's
0: mediocre question So Jay's mediocre question is who were the best IU players to never make a sweet 16, a very sad and depressing question. Uh, But I did do the research on this. So the field expanded to 16 teams in 1951. Uh, So every team that made the tournament then would have made the sweet 16, but in 1975, it expanded to 32. So at that point you had to win a game to make the final 16. Since that point in time, here is the list of the best players who have not made a Sweet 16 or who never made a Sweet 16. Andre Patterson, A.J. Guyton, Michael Lewis, Luke Recker, Kirk Haston, Bracy Wright, Marshall Strickland, DJ White, Robert Vaden, Marco Killingsworth, Eric Gordon, Verdell Jones, Noah Vonley... James Blackman Jr. and Devontae Green and Daron Davis. Verdell Jones and James Blackman Jr. have asterisks because their teams made it, but they were injured. So they never actually okay. got to play in a Sweet 16. Their teams I was going to say Verdell, Verdell Jones. Was yeah, the but, but, they, but they didn't they actually didn't get play. to play in it. So I just wanted to, to point that out. But, uh, and then obviously Romeo Langford didn't as well. No one and done uh, has made it. And you'll also notice that for the, that early part of the Bob Knight era, going to a lot of Sweet 16s. <laughs> A lot of elite yeah. eights back then, so all I, those players, if they stayed around, made at least one of them.
2: My pick's DJ White. He won Big Ten Player of the Year and never went. And was on some teams that were actually
0: yeah he's, good. Um, he and Haston he, and Guyton are probably the best of that bunch. Yeah, those are the three. I think mean, Gordon is obviously sure. the best player of all of them. But yeah, he was only one year, one and done.
2: Um, but no, DJ, you know, they were on that team. Mike Davis's last team had a lot of hype before the season, and then DJ got hurt and didn't play the rest of the year, really. He tried to come back. He hurt his foot, tried to come back. Had he played, that team would have gone pretty far in the tournament, and you know, history might be a little different now. Um, but, yeah, I, I would put DJ certainly right there with A.J. Guyton and, and, uh, and um, Haston. All
3: right, you Ryan. Look at the, oh, those go. top three, Patterson, two, and Lewis. Those guys gave a lot to Indiana and yep. didn't get, it, get to the Sweet 16. That's kind of yep. um, tough for those guys.
0: Yep. All right, Ryan. This is from James, Ryan's player breakdown of Philip Rivers. This is a Colts question, but the radio show is on in Indianapolis, so we can, well, there's now finally a use for your San Diego knowledge.
2: I mean, look, let's, let's remember, they moved to Los Angeles, so I haven't watched as closely as I used to. I've seen them on Red Zone, basically, because I, I have disavowed the Los Angeles Chargers. They don't exist as far as I'm concerned. Uh, but Rivers uh, had a really good 2018 uh when He was mildly protected. Uh, Then everybody got hurt this year and he played poorly. A lot of playing from behind, a lot of, you know, trying to go downfield to make something happen type stuff. They didn't have a great running game. Uh, And it was a lot of 50-50 balls to his receivers. You do that, you're going to throw interceptions. Uh, That's just the way it is, especially when you don't have a good offensive line, you're throwing off your back foot. Uh, I think with a good offensive line that the Colts have, and, you know, they add maybe another weapon in the draft, I think that uh, he's going to have a pretty successful year. I think he'll be better than Jacoby Brissett was this year, for sure. Hmm. And uh, you guys will love having him be your quarterback. I will say that. He's a great guy.
0: Yeah. Well said. Uh, Coach, Jeffrey wants to know, is there optimism over whether the Hoosiers can be a top five team in the conference next season? I know you're trying to be cautious with your optimism, but what do you think about that?
3: I I think – you know it a lot just depends on who stays and who you know who reclassifies and all of that, but yeah, I think Indiana can be a, a top five uh but really you you look at like Ohio State and Michigan this year uh they were seventh and eighth in the league um at the end, and they were gonna get you know five seeds six seeds, so it, it's really hard to tie conference into the ultimate goal of making the n c a and we want to be a top five. Uh, basketball program. So I think that needs to be the goal, and I think that the team is set that uh, if if they all advance in the offseason, which they're losing, going to lose some offseason work together uh, w- with this shutdown. So that's a concern too, but I, I do think this, the roster's better, and it just depends on, on the makeup of the Big Ten, but I definitely see the top half, uh, seventh or better, being um, a pretty good choice for the indiana hoosiers
0: all right then last question uh that we'll have time for at least for the radio audience uh sammy jacobs from hoosier huddle uh, wanted five questions that you have for scott dolson regarding the basketball program might not have time to get to five but coach what would be the number one question that you would ask scott dolson about basketball
3: um, Man, that, that that's just really tough because I would probably ask him, you know, what, what is his main guideline on success of the program year by year? Mm. You know, where does he expect it to be in year four and year five? Uh, and, and how will he know to either extend or, or not? I know he's not going to show his cards and answer that question, but that's one I think a lot of us would like to know so we could monitor it going forward.
0: Maybe privately, if you traded him the wedding story that you told us in the last break, the <laughs> – Maybe he might make that trade, <laughs> uh, Ryan. Right. Quickly, what what question would you ask Scott Dolson? Five seconds. I want to
2: know future of the facilities. Are they going to continue to upgrade all facilities constantly and have that? Are they going to look to you know? I know people love Assembly Hall, and we just got to redo. But are they going to look to maybe look what that would look like long term? I'm talking like ten years. They're
0: always ready to throw us. That's it. Hall, We're done.
2: No more questions.
0: All right, uh, that is going to do it for us on this week's episode of the Assembly Call. If you want to see us do the show live, join us at assemblycall.com on Thursday nights for the live broadcast of our Assembly Call radio recording. And don't forget to go to assemblycall.com or text IU to 66866 to join our free email newsletter. Special thank you to Bob Thompson for producing a lot of the music that you hear on the show. And thank you for listening. We'll be back. Andy will be back to talk with you tomorrow night for the rewatch of the IU Louisville Sweet 16 game from 93. Until then. Take it from me,
2: native Hoosier Mark Titus. Keep your elbows in and your eyes on the rim.
0: And go Hoosiers. Thank everybody for coming out. All right. I got to get out of here, folks. Thank you.
3: Here I come. <laughs> this is done, Sony.
0: All right. Um, here, let's let's roll through the rest we of the questions. Get a, we
2: should get a branded shirt that's the elbows in and the eyes on the rim.
0: We should. I actually... Yeah, I was talking with... I was actually talking with Jordan Halls and with home field about doing one of those with like a little Jordan Hall silhouette on it.
2: Yeah. That'd be awesome. And he like the logo basically.
0: Yeah. That kind of, yeah, that fell by the wayside at the end of the season. And obviously we're not going to do it now, but we need to, I mean, it's
2: a way to, it's a way to do some extra stuff. and
0: connect Yeah. Fans. Yeah. No, um, I, we do want to do that though.
3: One more question there for, for Sammy. I'd like to ask about the fan experience. What, what kind of, direction both in basketball and football is he going to take the fan experience uh i, I know in in sitting with uh, chris for iu artifacts and stuff there are times when I, I know you need revenue streams and especially now with the loss in the, the tournament you're probably not going to go a different way but there seems times where some of that kills the vibe of a big run yeah with, with five minutes to go and then you have a a, a credit union jingle or you have some um game there and, and I know that marketing is, is a tough thing and, and I think IU does a decent job, but both the uh, Sammy and I talk about this all the time in football. Um, you know, there needs to the game and the game atmosphere and the music and the band all need to be, I think, really centered towards building that atmosphere back. And I still think Assembly Hall is a great place to be, but I think it's lost some of that mojo in in almost unless it's just a really big game. And I wonder if he had any ideas on on how to keep the revenue going. And yet make it about the the game and not the, the revenue streams.
0: Look, one of the biggest arguments in favor of keeping Assembly Hall how it is, you know, keeping what we have right now for Assembly Hall, in addition to just tradition and like all of those things, sure. is that because of how the acoustics are and how it's laid out, it's really intimidating. And it literally the building should and often does give Indiana a massive advantage. The teams sure. recently just have not taken advantage of it. Sure. And if they're not going to do that, to me, that really does lessen the argument for why you would, you know, just absolutely keep Assembly Hall and not even listen to other arguments like some people have been in the past. But, you know, hopefully that's something that comes back with this team where that is a real asset where it's like, holy crap, playing a game here is insane because of just how crazy this place is set up.
3: And I I hate to say this, but uh, in our coverage of the Purdue basketball, that place is insane 30 minutes before the game. And it could be it could be some random team in December and, and every everyone's up and clapping and in their seats at the start, and 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 there's no, there's really not a lot of, of fluff. It is all basketball, and boy, if they go on an eight oh ten oh run, you can't hear yourself think for two minutes during that timeout. It's not, you know, a free throw shooting contest, and that, and and I know again, it's all about revenue. I I, I know those things draw revenues and sponsors, and that's very important. So I'm probably speaking about what I don't know, but. Man, there is some places where atmosphere is good yep. and winning winning helps I mean winning would help that too so it's not yes. just the the athletic department you got to win consistently to get people to want to show up against Texas you know corpus crispy or whatever that is <laughs> here's Crispi here's my
2: problem as corpus it's always crispy <laughs> here's corpus my problem, here's my problem with assembly hall in the modern in the modern world we live in okay. It used to be that people go to basketball just because it's basketball and they were going to go and it's Indiana basketball and they're going to pack the place. If you don't have good seats now as a student or, you know, as, as a student, I'm saying not if you own season tickets, you're going to go. But as a student, if you don't have good seats, why not go to a bar and have fun and watch it? You know, so the balcony is empty half the time. Um, yeah, that's a problem. And it's a waste of space. And it's a waste of seats. I think they should build something similar to assembly hall. I think it should be all four sides though. And I think it should be steep like that where you're right on the, you know, you feel like you're right over the floor because of how steep those stairs are, but you got to get rid of the balcony bow, I mean, and you can't in the current facility, there's no way to get rid of that in the current facility without knocking out a ton of seats and knocking out a ton of your revenue. The problem is though, is that like the balcony is a waste. I mean, like other than the first three rows, you don't have a good seat and there are so many seats throughout assembly hall that are really bad seats. And it's not a great place. It's a great place to experience college basketball. It's not a great place to watch a college basketball game. Um, it's the, a good the distinction. Experience. Yeah. And, and, and that's my, my concern is that Indiana can do better than that. You can create a great atmosphere. And by the way, The atmosphere, I believe, is going to go with the fans. Yes, there's acoustics and all that stuff. Bring in the best people in the world. This is Indiana basketball. Bring in the best people in the world to figure out how to magnify those acoustics, how to do that. how to Forget it. Bring in people to tell you if it's possible to recreate that. If it's not, okay, we stick with Assembly Hall for a
3: while. And unfortunately, a sad thing, Ryan, where you're correct is, am I going to pay money to go sit in a balcony or sit in row 45 underneath the the balcony when I can watch it? Uh, you perfect know, with a perfect on, view on TV. at home and, and and that's not just indiana basketball that's a lot of football of course um, people you're are seeing saying, hey, hey, every game is drop. on tv attendance is yeah. dropping all over the place in a lot of different sports um and so that's you know that's just something i'd want you know i'd be willing to to ask scott to see what he has his ideas and it's a long-term type of time yeah
2: and and look i mean i i remember back in the day when rick greenspan was the was the athletic director. And I know he gets a lot of bad press from, or not press, but gets a lot of bad shots from Indiana fans because of the Kelvin Sampson hire and some other things that happened there. He's the one who got the board of trustees to agree to upgrade the facilities. That's how you get Cook Hall. That's how you get the baseball and softball complex. That's how you get the enclosure of the stadium. All of that came from Rick Greenspan. And one of the things they agreed to was to build a new basketball arena. And the reason why is he saw what was coming, which is why would you go to a game if you don't have a good seat? Yeah, you'll go to the Duke game when the atmosphere is going to be crazy and it's like a party. But are you going to go to the Rutgers game midseason if you don't have a good seat? You know, I mean, that's that's the the, the long term view of this is that fewer people are going to games. so You need to give them a reason to get in the stadium and, and or the arena or, you know, whatever it is. So I think that
3: not too many people sneak in a soda bag full of whiskey to sit in the balcony anymore when they're in yeah. college. So
0: Poor Rutgers, man. Still still years. the default crappy team that people pull out for their uh, examples. I guess Rutgers will actually have to make a real NCAA tournament before that stops.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's just, I, you know, it, it, I, I just think that there's ways to do it where, I mean, other here's the thing is that other schools have newer arenas than we do and have great arenas. You yeah. know, you can build a new arena that's great. It doesn't have to be, you know, just because we have a good situation as far as acoustics go, you can't replicate that somewhere else. I, I was talking with... Um, I was talking with, uh, what's his, with uh, Jay Billis about this, and he said, yeah, I, I wouldn't F with it. Because like I, you know, I asked him a couple Indiana questions on the side uh, during one of our interviews, and he was just like, yeah, I wouldn't mess with it because it's, it, it's so unique and it's so amazing. But he only comes for the big games when it's packed. You know, I mean, there are games throughout the year on like a Tuesday when you're playing Penn State. or I mean, Penn State was good this year, but you're playing a random team who, you know, Nebraska or whatever, who, who isn't a great basketball program, you're not going to get the attendance. you did.
0: That's a great casual name drop right there. I know it I was, tend to do it. it was, I've it gotten really better good. At it. You know, no, that was good. That was really good. Um, okay. So let's hit one, maybe two more questions. I love you guys, but my daughter's up at my parents' house. i got to save some time spend with the wife this evening so yeah i gotta get out too we got over to dinner <laughs> um but i do so there's a couple more so if we don't answer your question this week i will save these and roll them over uh, into next week we'll get to them because these are really good questions but you know they're not really timely so we can do them any week uh but coach i do want to get to this jd asks can you explain your coaching history he also said he'd be curious to hear the schools you've coached at and he's heard the origin story of the show but what is your origin story for how you got started listening and eventually being on the show
3: yeah, um, I've been coaching. I started coaching at Lebanon High School as an assistant, eighth grade freshman, and then varsity assistant for four years. First head coach job was at a small school called Northfield High School uh, in Wabash, Indiana. Uh, we won um, in the year five. We won the section on a regional. We're one game away from state championship in two thousand and three. Got beat by Lewis Cass, uh, the state champions in the semi state. Uh, and then um, ran into a school board situation um, after that, and I stayed as an assistant in the same county at Wabash uh, for a guy who is um, coaching in St. X in um, Cincinnati right now. He was over in, in, in at Wabash, and he's had um, the Cumberland kid that plays at Cincinnati. He's had some kids make the Packers. So I was an assistant for two years and then got back into head coaching at Delphi for four years, uh, one, two, six, eight, and ten, and then... A school board member didn't like that my son was going to be playing as a freshman, uh, and I got uh, into a situation there. So uh, I resigned and moved my kid to another school where he went and scored 1,300 points for the rival school against uh, the school that let me go. Take that to the uh, school board. And then I helped one year uh, with my son at Rossville, and then I went back with my former assistant um, three years at Western. So that's my that's my career path. As far as the show, I think I saw it on social media and I went uh, and watched a show, and that's back when you didn't have a chat room or anything, but you took questions on the YouTube comments. Uh, and I typed a question in, and mm. um, you answered it that very first time I, I typed it in, and I thought it was a good discussion, and I just kept coming back and kept asking questions. And I think your guys were like, hey, if he's going to be back here, let's put him to work. <laughs> and so you asked me to, uh, to monitor the live, uh, what was it, the, the app that you had to oh that live
0: yeah that's right that's right you were We're doing cover it
3: live and you wanted a a moderator in there to keep the comments going and so you asked me uh, as well as some other people and i was there on a regular basis and i interviewed jared once for my class (laughs) and he talked about what you do to bring value to the places where you work and he says you just bring value first and if you are valuable then you'll be asked to to do other things so all I did was show up on a regular basis and do what Jared needed. And, and then I think they um, got to know me and asked me to be on as a guest once. And I probably said some really stupid things that could have been drops. And maybe one person emailed him and liked it. So then he kept coming back to the well. And uh, I, then about last year, they asked me to, to be on call as a regular member. And uh, I, I'm very thankful. It is uh, one of the, the best things. I've won a lot of games. Um Obviously, my family is, is obviously number one, but coaching is a thrill. But uh, being a part of this organization is one of the better things that's ever happened uh, in my career. Uh, as I transition out of teaching into some more stuff in retirement, it's given me something to look forward to. So I'm forever grateful to all the guys um, for that opportunity.
0: Hey, we're lucky to have you, Coach. Yeah, we are. Yeah, I mean, it just—it was one of those things that just clicked as soon as you came on the show because you kind of fit a few things that we didn't have, you know, which was a perspective of having seen, you know, more of the great IU teams play. Which, even though Andy and I kind of grew up watching the early '90s teams play, you know, they didn't hang a banner. You know, we don't really remember the '87, the '81, the older teams, and you do. You experience that, and having actual an actual coaching background lends a lot of credibility, you know, gravitas to what you say. Uh, you know, and just personality-wise, you've got a personality that fits because that that makes a big difference in a a show like this. Any type of podcast, chemistry among the hosts is so important. You know, so you can dish it out and Thank you can you. take it, which is obviously a prerequisite for uh for being here. And uh, you know, I try
3: not to show my ass too many times <laughs> on the show. You show it's your ass. when man. you do that. It's happen eventually.
0: <laughs> but no, man, it it fits, and we are really lucky to have you. It's you know. It is, uh, it's, I don't know. Sometimes there's just serendipity with the way that that things happen. And so, yeah, you have to,
2: when you join a show like this, where we all make fun of each other so much, some people don't get that and it's hard on them to sort of get that. Like we all love each other, but (laughs) break each other's balls all the time. And it's just, that's, that's, that's our love language basically. And it's Mm -hmm. the chemistry
1: that the three of you have. (laughs)
2: <laughs> it's it's hard for people to fit in you know and get that and and coach totally falls right in line and if anything makes fun of himself more than the rest of us
0: i always right. love how when ryan tells that story he's like but we all love each other and then he like groups himself in that <laughs> it's, a, it's like well, a defense mechanism
2: <laughs> we do right guys like, <laughs> ryan's wrong <laughs>
0: no we do we do
2: now nah, we love the listeners. We love each other.
0: We hate each other. We get <laughs> yeah. off this. We never
2: talk to each other outside of this. this is, I just show up every week at the same time. Oh man! Time.
0: But that that would be awful if you know if you like watched a show like this one where we're on here and I feel like we certainly seem like we like each other and have fun and then like if if off air we just really did hate each other. Never like, this spoke was all to just, each other. All just a performance to rake in we, all we, the we advertising dollars. We did the meetups.
2: Dollars. We did the meetups and we're each in a different corner. <laughs> yeah. Like you know. <laughs> No, part of the best part about the meetups is that we get to see and hang out with each other in person. Like that's I the, it's. I mean, we do it to meet the the listeners and everything, but the whole thing is that we get to hang out with each other, which we never get to do. So, it's great.
0: Yes, it is. Okay, uh, let's close up there again. I'm gonna hang on to all these questions. Yeah, there's no other ones that are especially timely. So I'll hang on to the rest of these. Uh, but always fun. So remember, tomorrow night it's going to be Andy, Galen. And Chris from IU Artifacts, they are going to walk you through IU Louisville 1993. The link is at assemblycall.com slash rewatch. We'll be tweeting as it happens, synchronized rewatch, all that stuff, and uh, post-game show afterwards. So we hope that you guys are there. And then Sunday will be IU Kent State, same time, same place. Have a good night, everybody.
2: All
1: right, guys. Later. Thanks for watching. Yep. Good night. The tobacco industry's menthol targeting is straight-up racist. And not that watered-down type of racist. What do they call it? Unconscious bias? No, not unconscious. Intentional. I mean that flooding our communities with ads, killing us by the thousands, and laughing all the way to the bank type of racist. They are literally killing us. This ends now at wearenotprofit.org.
0: Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. The Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Whew! Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase Player 5.